Content warning. In this episode, we discuss the events and after effects of a mass shooting that took place in Las Vegas on October of 2017. Listener discretion is advised. You're listening to the Dogaritaville podcast. I'm Laura. And I'm Lily. We are two dog professionals with two different styles, two different backgrounds, and two common goals. To drink delicious margaritas and talk about dogs. Welcome to Dogaritaville. Welcome to episode 26. Is that truly what it is? We're on 26 now? I I mean, I wouldn't rely on my opinion, but I believe so. (laughs) Perfect. (laughs) Welcome to episode 26 of the Dogaritaville podcast. Today we are drinking hurricane-themed margaritas and talking about our time volunteering in emergency relief work with best friends after Hurricane Harvey. For every episode, we pick a theme for our margaritas and each do our own take on it. We post the recipes on Instagram uh, for you to try. And we're always looking for new ideas. So let us know if you have any uh, episode or margarita ideas. So uh, I didn't really know what to call this segment, but something that's been coming up a lot because I can't stop listening to podcasts. Uh <laughs> I can't remember. I should have cited the source, but <laughs> I think it was one of the podcasts you sent me, but they kept talking about something called Lima. And I was like, what the fuck is Lima? Do you know what Lima is? Yeah, it's I would um, you do, you're, you're studious. <laughs> um, it's the hierarchy that's like you have to learn it um, for the CCPDT. That's like the hierarchy oh, do you? they use. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Because uh, when I looked it up, all I, it was um, the IAABC or whatever. Yeah. It was, most of it was on there. I didn't see anything with CPDT. But but yeah, so I kept hearing Lima. Lima is least intrusive, minimally aversive, um, which I had never heard that before because I don't read. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and as soon as I heard it, I was like, ooh, I like that. <laughs> Right? Because that's kind of like my whole methodology. I didn't know that it had a name. but <laughs> <laughs> And then it just kept coming up in the last couple of weeks. Like, I, like, I've listened to like three or four different podcasts and every single one has brought it up all of a sudden. <laughs> and it's just weird because I've never heard it before. What did you learn about it for C- C- CPDT? Goddamn. <laughs> I'm not even I drunk. Know. I think I probably said it wrong when I first said it, too. Um, (laughs) (laughs) This is just already a shit show. Um, But basically, it's like, you know how we were talking about, I I don't remember which episode it was, but we were talking recently about a trainer that we're both familiar with um, who uses uh, aversive tools at the new place that she works. And we were saying, like, oh, well, isn't she CPDTKA certified? And so she shouldn't be doing that. And then we had that conversation about like, you were like, oh, I didn't think they were anti-tools. And then we talked about like, well, they're not necessarily anti-tools, but it's like you have to exhaust all these other things first, right? Yeah, that's what I was reading on the um, IAABC, uh, the International, what is it? The International Association of something? International (laughs) Association of Animal Behavior Consultants. Um, it was basically, it's a, it's at exactly that, right? Where it's like, you have a, a systematic kind of strategy that goes through everything um, to avoid it, but it's not technically not allowed. 
Right. Like it puts um, uh, it puts parameters around when it's like ethical according to this to like start bringing in punishment strategies. Yeah, but yeah, I just thought that was really cool. I had never heard of it before. Uh, I mean, I practice it. I just didn't have a name for it. But <laughs> so if you're like me and you don't read, there's a lot of good podcasts that can teach you things too. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but yeah, so Lima is least intrusive, minimally aversive, and it basically, I'm going to read it straight from the website because I'm an asshole and I don't know how to explain things, but it just says, describes a trainer or behavior consultant who uses the least intrusive, minimally aversive strategy out of a set of humane and effective tactics, uh, likely to succeed in achieving a training or behavior change objective. Lima adherence requires consultants to be adequately educated and skilled in order to ensure that the least intrusive and aversive procedure is used. I just thought that was really cool. I've never heard of shit described that way, and I really liked it. <laughs> yeah. So everybody that CPDT follows Lima then? Is that that's one of the requirements? Yeah, I think it might be a requirement. I don't remember if it's a requirement that you just have to like know how to operate within Lima or if you have to in order to keep your certification. Yeah, that would be interesting. Yeah, that's not something I need to know because I'm. That's this is also how I plan to operate anyways. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah, yeah. But it is interesting, like you said, that trainer that we both know um, is essentially a shock jock. So it's like, can you can you be a shock jock and be CPDT? I mean, obviously she is, but <laughs> right. But if they <laughs> how much? That, yeah, how yeah. much do they monitor <laughs> that? That's that's really interesting. Uh, and also, too, just the uh, IAABC has a shit ton of resources, courses, that sort of stuff. So if you're looking for a place to go learn some shit, it's a good one. It's a good one. So that's a little bit about how Lara discovered Lima and is really excited about that. And we're going to take a break here. When we get back, <laughs> we're going to start talking about our time in Houston. Margarita check. How did you make your hurricane-themed margarita? There weren't a lot of options. <laughs> um, so I always look at Pinterest for all of our margarita stuff. And so I searched hurricane margarita. And the only thing that came up was uh, Texas Roadhouse hurricane margarita. Which I've never been to a Texas Roadhouse. So I don't know what that means. But <laughs> it's what I did. Um, so it's one ounce of tequila, one ounce of rum, which I was a little hesitant to mix those, but then it, well, it had enough juice in it that I was like, yeah, I'll try it. <laughs> um, one ounce of orange juice, one ounce of pineapple juice, three ounces of grenadine, which I was really concerned about. <laughs> That's a lot of that grenadine. Sounds, yeah, that sounds fucking disgusting. And it is very good but it is also very sweet and tastes a lot like grenadine <laughs> um but it is delicious and not at all what i was expecting so i give it uh, you know what we need to do we need to start rating them out of a some sort of system yeah um i don't have a system but <laughs> i would give it like a four out of five stars Wait, let's Pretty do good. like let's do like out of 10 shot glasses <laughs> 10 seems excessive. Um, I would give it an 8.5 out of 10. I love that you just told me that 10 was excessive and you gave it a half point. <laughs> <laughs> Turns out 10 wasn't enough. 
As soon as I said it, though, I was like, that seems really high. Uh, <laughs> I'm taking it back. It, it's a 7.5. Great. 7.5 out of 10. So um, we don't often do like this vague of a theme. So I Googled some ideas and then I realized that hurricane cocktail, like that's a, an actual cocktail. And when I saw that, I knew that Laura would also be Googling this and would also discover that there's a hurricane cocktail <laughs> and that's what she would most likely make. Um, so I decided. Was it the same? Well, so you, the I think the hurricane margarita is like a play on the cocktail because it has like all that stuff oh, okay. in it. It has like pineapple, oh, okay. orange and grenadine and everything. So instead of doing that, I decided to try to make mine look like a hurricane. So I have this little ice cube maker. It like makes round ice cubes. And I put some blue food dye in there so I could have like a blue round ice cube and it would look like the eye of a hurricane. And um, then I made my margarita and I did it like a normal margarita. So I did three ounces tequila, two juice limes. I did three quarters of an ounce of triple sec. And then I also did three quarters of an ounce of hypnotic just to give it a little bit of blue like the ocean, you know. And then (laughs) I shook that with ice and poured it over my eye of the hurricane ice cube. And then I whipped some pineapple juice with blue and green food coloring in it and scooped it on top so it looked like foamy waves i feel really good about it (laughs) it's so dramatic thank you (laughs) it's just yeah man talk about extra uh even the photos that she sent me were very dramatic (laughs) yeah i did like the vignette setting on it so there it's like dark around the corners (laughs) it was very intense yeah hurricanes are intense i don't know if you knew yeah (laughs) I was unaware. Mm-hmm, cool mm-hmm. story, bro. You you got to rate it out of your 10 shot glasses. <laughs> oh, yeah. So out of 10 shot glasses, I would give this seven shot glasses. What would be a 10 out of 10 of, of the margaritas that we've done? I mean, we got to say it. Watermelon. <laughs> I knew it was coming. We I all knew it was coming. One. Is that the only one that's been 10 out of 10? No, I think every single one of my classic margaritas is always a 10 out of 10. Um, but then also <laughs> the uh, the grilled pineapple one that we made. Well, I made grilled pineapple and you made fun of me for it. Say it was excellent. We <laughs> <laughs> We've talked about it on previous episodes just briefly, but Laura and I both um, spent some time volunteering with Best Friends Am- Animal Society. Are they society or sanctuary right now? Sanctuary. Okay, Best Friends Animal Sanctuary. After Hurricane Harvey in 2017. And so we're going to talk about it. That's what this episode is about. Um, So our first segment here is going to be about, we each did two deployments. So the first one's going to be about our first deployment. And then the second segment's going to be about our second deployment. And on the first deployment, we went separately. So Laura actually got there first. And I don't remember what dates that you were there. But I remember, I think that you were there and posting about it. And I was like, what is this? What's happening? And you're like my cool big sister and I want to do everything that you do. And so then I wanted to go. Um, And so then I went at a later date. We didn't see each other that time. Yeah. So I was there from the end of September to the beginning of October. So that's what I was trying to remember today is how it all got started. Um, I was going because my memory is shit. So I have no idea. (laughs) I didn't even know when it was like what year. I was just like, I don't know. I went. But so I was going back through like photos and Facebook and everything, trying to figure out like how it came to be. And I forgot that I was scheduled to go to Utah on vacation. 
And then Hurricane Harvey happened, and I don't know how I heard about it or what, but I think I just emailed best friends and was like, yo, do you need help? (laughs) Uh, And since I had, like, the dog sitter and the dates and everything all set for, like, that week anyways, I was like, oh, well, I'll just go do that instead of going to Utah. Because that's what I was wondering. I was like, how the fuck did I ever get away with leaving for a week? (laughs) Like, (laughs) how the hell did that happen? And then I remembered that it was just vacation that I substituted for this work trip. But yeah, the way that they had it set up was like seven, I think it was a week. I think it was seven days. Like that was your deployment. And it was funny because there, I think at the time there was like a Facebook group to like communicate. Uh, I think the Facebook group, because I just remember going into it it was like well what do i need to bring blah 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 because everybody was like yeah dude this is crazy it's hard work you're doing 12 hour days like be careful blah 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 and it's i mean obviously we're at a facility it's not like we're in the floodwaters or anything but i'm assuming it was a facebook group because everybody just kept talking about the noise (laughs) (laughs) and we're like okay whatever And so I actually have a video. I almost posted it today, but I decided to contain myself. I recorded the first time I walked in. So best friends had set up a temporary shelter in NRG Arena, which is where the Houston Texans play. Obviously, we're not like in the field, but they have warehouses all surrounding it or whatever. And so it was in a a warehouse of some type. uh, And it was NRG Arena. (laughs) Literally the second you walk in. I can't imagine a worse place to have 500 dogs. Oh, my Uh, God. It was just concrete. (laughs) And it just echoes. Yeah. It is the loudest place I've ever been. And I don't remember it now. Like, I don't remember it bothering me now. But I remember the feeling of the first time I walked in the doors and just being like, oh, my God. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Because, I mean, shelters are noisy. Like, that's just what they are. But when they're in an empty concrete warehouse, they are a lot fucking noisier. (laughs) Yeah. It was. Well, and you sent me, you texted me a video earlier today, and you were like, oh, this was quiet time. I don't remember it ever being quiet in there. And I can't fathom how they would have enforced a quiet time. You don't remember quiet time? No. So I found that video, and I was looking back on my Facebook, And I literally, there's posts where I'm like, it was a rough day, but we made it to quiet time. And that was that video of, like, everybody being dead silent. We had quiet time every single day from, like, 12 to 1. But, like, how did that work? You just weren't, everybody got enrichment, and then nobody was allowed to go in the kennels for the next hour. Got it. Like. Interesting. I can't, I can't imagine they weren't doing that when you were there. You were there right after me. Yeah, I mean, maybe they were. I just don't remember anything about that. It, and it could be that, like, maybe I left during that time for my lunch or something. I don't know. Yeah, it could be. That was the other cool thing that I forgot is that they provided lunch every day. There were always delicious food trucks. Yeah. And they were so good. <laughs> but it was really crazy because it was like, it wasn't it 12-hour days? I remember saying it was 12-hour days, but I'm like, how did how did we do that? No, I, I think it was because, I, yeah, I, would, I remember I would get home at like eight o'clock or something and then i would go to bed at midnight wake up at eight and then pretty much leave immediately so maybe maybe it was 10 10 hour days yeah something like that but yeah it was super long days and it was like you never sit down yeah i mean you get a lunch break obviously but like it was so much work (laughs) 
There were, I think, I'm pretty sure there were 500 dogs and like 100 cats or something. But yeah, so it was really interesting. I, where did you stay? I just stayed at an Airbnb in Houston, um, at in a in a neighborhood that Beyonce used to live in. Oh, yeah, it's like the artsy vegan area of Houston. Oh, so I stayed in a shithole directly across the street from NRG <laughs> Arena. So I wouldn't have to rent a car, which makes me think that they must not have paid for me to be there the first time because uh, I, d- I couldn't rent a car or I tried to avoid it or something. Because, um, yeah, I stayed right across the street, which was really nice. The first appointment was the very beginning. So I got there, I think. Do you know when the hurricane actually was? I'll Google it real quick. Um. Because I'm pretty sure we got there, like, shortly after they had gotten to NRG Arena. Because when the hurricane hit, Best Friends obviously sent out their disaster relief team right away. But then they're, like, setting up kennels in a field, right? Like, it's legit disaster relief. Uh, But by the time we had gotten there, they had signed a short-term lease with NRG Arena and had these temporary kennels set up. Yes, it looks like the hurricane... The hurricane was the second two weeks in August. Oh, it's all the way in August. So, yeah, we were a few weeks after. But so when we had gotten there, or when I, I guess when I had gotten there, I keep forgetting we weren't together. The kennel setup was fairly new. So they just had rows and rows and rows of those black wire outdoor kennels. And then they had like, (laughs) I forgot about this too until I was going through the pictures. But they had like designated little camps. So there was like one square that was like the medical area where like oh, yeah. the vets were and all the medical supplies. And then there was Chai Town, which, which was where all the little chihuahuas lived. <laughs> and, uh, and then the cats obviously had their own thing, but I never went over there. So I don't know what that was about. A couple days before I got there, they had a distemper outbreak. <laughs> so if you're not familiar with animal sheltering, distemper outbreaks are no fucking joke because distemper will fucking kill you slowly and awfully and it's super common in disaster relief because the flood water is filled with a bunch of garbage (laughs) and especially in houston not as bad as dallas but houston has a really really terrible stray dog population um so a lot of the dogs that everybody was rescuing out of floodwaters that you know they weren't owned dogs they were street dogs uh so they're all filthy and dirty and sick (laughs) (laughs) So literally a few days or maybe even a week before I came out, I got a phone call that was like, hey, (laughs) Uh, we have a distemper outbreak. Will you still come? (laughs) And I was like, yeah, of course, because I'm an idiot. Um, But we had to. I remember when I got back from the first appointment, I had to like bag up my whole suitcase and disinfect it and not bring it in the house and it was a whole thing, but they had the kennels separated. I think it was green, yellow, and red, right? Yeah. So the red dogs were uh, red dogs were positive for distemper. Nobody can go in and out. They, I don't think they went for walks, right? They could go to a special field. Yeah, they had they had their own separate area. Yeah. Um, and then yellow dogs were displaying symptoms, but not testing positive yet, or something like that. And they had their own yard as well yeah yeah everybody was yeah um and then the green dogs were no symptoms not testing positive yet and so i was in the green section i think you were too right 
Yeah. And I don't know how they assigned that. I think it was just random. I don't know. But I still, they they had like this whole, like one of those squares you were talking about was specifically for staying safe from that. So it was like gloves and sanitizer and everything. And you had to like go in oh, between yeah. each dog and like sanitize and stuff. Yeah. So, I mean, it was, I was shocked at how efficient it was. They had a daily schedule. They had supplies all organized. Like, it was pretty crazy. We had a cart for feeding time that made feeding everybody super quick. Um, we had enrichment time and a cart for enrichment that made everything super quick. Um, all the kennels had... <laughs> I forgot. That was one of my favorite things when I was going back through the photos today. Was all the notes on duct tape on the kennels. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> that made me laugh so hard when I saw it this afternoon. Um, so, like, there would be duct tape on a kennel that just said, like, no beds eats them or <laughs> must have wet food. <laughs> or, like, super just, like, in the trenches writing on duct tape. <laughs> it was so great. Now that I've rambled, this is why I didn't need to write anything. Now that I've rambled for 15 minutes, you can say your your next pinpoint. <laughs> Yeah, so um, I went back through the pictures to, like, try to jog my memory, and the first thing that I noticed was my Dodge Charger, which, like, it's not really part of the story, but it was, like, my favorite thing, because I had booked the cheapest... I'm obsessed with Dodge Chargers, so I get you. Yeah. I had booked the cheapest car at the car rental place, but they didn't have any of the cheap ones left when I got there. So they were like, just take whatever you want. No extra charge. And so I took a charger and I was like, this is like a volunteer trip. And I look like I just came here to like (laughs) have fun and go crazy. Chilling. Yeah. But I loved my Dodge Charger. It's one of my dream cars for sure. So this was a really interesting place in my dog professional career. Because I'm pretty sure that at this point I hadn't started my dog training business. I think that didn't happen until the following year. Um, And so at this point I was just doing daycare and like taking courses online and stuff. And then sort of practicing with the dogs who came into daycare. Um, But I was really interested in working with dogs with behavior issues or like dogs that were harder to handle. But of course like I ran a daycare so all of the dogs were easy like by definition and so the most that I had done working with behavior dogs was either like at the shelter or like some drop-ins that I had like that like buddy that we talked about in episode two um so this was like my first time kind of dipping my toe into the water and I had done a lot of reading and a lot of stuff on the academic side to prepare but no hands-on stuff really so I just remember being really nervous and excited to see how well all of that translated to real life and whether I was going to actually be any good at it. Um, Yeah, I forgot about that, that you weren't training yet. Yeah. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah. So that was really fun for me. That never occurred to me. Didn't you, uh, didn't you come with your mom or something? Yeah, I, well, my mom heard that I was going and she was like, do you think that they could use any help from someone who like doesn't know anything? And I was like, yeah, I bet they could. And so she ended up coming for just a couple days and she worked with um, small dogs and cats. Oh, cool. Yeah. So she and I didn't work together, but um, we like saw each other at lunch and stuff. Yeah, that's awesome. But yeah, I remember um, I was super excited for Harry Potter, who, (laughs) uh, for those listeners who have listened to many episodes, Harry Potter ended up later being adopted out painfully through Laura's rescue after like a lot of work. Um, And he was the first dog that I worked with because Laura had prepped me from her stay about like exactly what his issues were and what he had been working on with her. And then I think that you also told them that I was coming 
because I remember them like being ready to let me work with him. And that went really well because I knew exactly what to expect and the work that you had done and I just needed to continue it. So that was a really, really good confidence booster because I feel like if I hadn't had that experience, I probably would have erred on the side of like, no, I don't want to work with any hard dogs. And so it kind of gave me a little more confidence (laughs) to work with the harder ones, which looking back, I have no idea like why they were willing to let me handle the harder dogs, but they were. And I'm glad I'm I'm glad you brought that up because it's a good segue into Katie. Uh, (laughs) um, Because, yeah, all that shit that I rambled about, I didn't actually talk about working with any of the dogs. Yeah, so Harry Potter reminded me that when I got there, they were just starting to have, like, a system in place. So none of the dogs had names yet. We had just started, like, a couple of them did, but, like, most of them didn't. And so the way that it was kind of split up was obviously the green yellow red but within the green section that we worked in there were kind of different aisles of like obviously they have to separate the dogs that are like cage aggressive and all of that stuff and then so there's like these normal sized kennels and then the back row over by chai town was like these kind of double kennels that were much bigger and that's where most of the staff only dogs were because they couldn't get out as much. Although I I think they got out just as much as everybody else, but because they were harder to handle, they had more space because they got different things or whatever. And I walked in and it was, it was really strange. I'm really not sure why they let us handle them, but I was just like, yeah, I'm a trainer. I run my own rescue. Like I can handle this dog. (laughs) And they were just like, okay, go ahead. (laughs) It's like, all right, cool. So I remember that row specifically because it was the husky that bit everybody. Yeah. Uh, It was Harry Potter, who at the time, like I said, so I got off track, but (laughs) most of them didn't have names. And the few that did, Harry was one of them and his name was Scarface. So my last day, (laughs) my very last day, I was like, we're going to change. They had just started putting like names and numbers into the system because it had just gotten started. And I was like, okay, before anybody puts this in a computer system, we're going to change it from Scarface because uh, he had a big scar on his head. So, and I knew Lily was coming right after me. So I changed his name to Harry Potter so that she would play with him. <laughs> but I think that's what was like the weirdest part of our first deployment was not only were they just, like, taking our word for it and letting us work for staff-only dogs, but, like, as organized as it was, it was also just chaos of, like, people not knowing what to do. So, and it was really cool the way that they did it, and I forgot about this until now. So, obviously, there were dozens and dozens of volunteers, but they were rotating staff through all of their facilities. So, like, they would have six staff members from the sanctuary come out for a week and then they would have whatever number of people from the LA best friends team come out for a week. And then like, so best friends has a property all over the country. They have an Atlanta office, a best friends or a Utah office an LA office. Uh, I'm sure they have others. I think they have a New York one. So they were rotating through all their staff to staff the deploy, the, emergency shelter, I guess, uh, we'll call it. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Because obviously those people had to coordinate all the volunteers and stuff. So that was pretty cool. But it was also like, still the staff, I think 
What did we have, like, two staff members for the green section, and then the rest were volunteers, or was it more than that? No, that seems right. That seems right. But so it's like the two staff members are just like, oh, I'm an adoption counselor from LA, and I do data entry at the sanctuary. Like, they weren't, like, dog handlers by any means. So I think that's part of why we got to work with them, because it was just, like, all hands on deck, man. (laughs) No, I definitely got the sense that they needed people to be able to handle staff-only dogs because I think – so I'm pretty sure that you had said, like, oh, my friend Lily's coming and I want her to work with Harry Potter because, like, when I got there, I remember that they knew who I was and they, like, put me with him. But then I remember them being like, so so can you, like, do the other staff-only dogs too? Which I was like (laughs) – I, d- I don't I don't know, but like it j- it seemed like if they were willing to ask someone that they had not met before, that they kind of just needed people to be able to do it. You know what I yeah. mean? Yeah. Which I mean I think is also why they brought us back for the second deployment. Yeah. Because uh, they were like, listen, <laughs> listen, we just need anybody that knows dogs. Because I mean, obviously, a ton of people came out, but it, I mean, they're not dog handlers by any means. Yeah. But yeah, it was just really interesting. More so, like, about the dogs in particular. Like, it was just such an interesting kind of collection of dogs. Like, I remember I was shocked when I got there because there were dogs that were, like, fully pregnant, ready to give birth. Like, uh, there was a Doberman mix that we didn't know was pregnant and then went to the sanctuary and gave birth. Oh, my God. But, yeah, there were pregnant dogs. There were feral dogs. There was, I mean, everything. Old dogs, young dogs. (laughs) dogs with medical like it was crazy do you remember she might not have been there by the time you got there there was like an ancient senior boxer that had gotten bloat twice uh i don't wait oh was it like greta or something yeah sure her kennel was separated from everybody else because she had to be supervised because she bloated got sent to the emergency came home and then bloated again (laughs) yeah i feel like it was like some kind of it was like gretchen or yeah or something yeah there was an old man named, I think, Walter or something. He ended up dying of cancer a couple months later, but, like, he was so cute. He's this big old, like, Mastiff mix. Was he gray? Yeah. I have a picture of him. Was his name Walter? <laughs> I It was think something so. like that. But, yeah, I was looking back through my Facebook posts, and every single post is just like, I'm so sore. I'm so tired. <laughs> like, yeah. oh, my God, my feet hurt so bad. I would just go home at night and soak in Epsom salts. <laughs> like <laughs> It was so much work. Oh, So like a little bit more about the staff only dogs. It was really interesting to me. And I mean, obviously, like in hindsight, knowing what I know now, it makes more sense. But like, it was just so crazy to me, the like lack of dog handlers there. Yeah. Like most, most of the staff only dogs were not. The Husky was a, a true biter. Yeah. But. I ever he's the only staff only dog that I didn't handle but <laughs> all the other staff only dogs were like bro it's a high energy pit with no training in a shelter like what do you expect yeah and then there was like I think that shepherd was in there because he like barked oh, in the kennel yeah. all day but it's like he's like a young shepherd in a kennel in the middle of an arena like he's just he's didn't, having a tough time <laughs> didn't you name him Sirius or you wanted no, that, to the that black was the, sh- that was the black the one. black shepherd oh okay the, there was like a more standard looking German. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. What was his? It started with a B. Um, I was I saw his picture today, and Bravo. I was like, that little Bravo, Bravo. Yeah, I was like that little shit starter. Um, he was he was everybody's one that was like, can someone take him out? I don't want to. <laughs> oh, I like. And him. then 
Oh yeah, he was he was a very stereotypical shepherd. What was that white boxer? His name was like King Leon or something stupid. Uh, oh, yeah. But he was such such a shit starter because he was so reactive. You could like barely get him out. Like he was always the last dog out because everybody had to be on lockdown so somebody could drag him out without him fighting with some other dog. <laughs> yep, that's right. I don't remember what his name, but it was something like super elaborate and like yeah. King Princeton or something. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I think it was King something. Yeah. And then there was Sweets, who I remember because I know her mom now. And you remember Sweets? She had the white face. She was the sweetest little pit bull and she had a wonky back end. Yes. Yeah. So her name now is Mama Julep. Um, and she just moved to San Diego and her mom worked at Best Friends at the time. But so I still see her on Instagram all the time. But that's cute. And then obviously we took Harry Potter. I think the husky ended up at the Sanctuary Phantom. Yeah. He ended up at the Sanctuary. I don't know if he's still there or if he ever got adopted. Uh, he was mean as shit, though. Uh- <laughs> yeah, that husky, he scared the shit out of me. Like He was fucking mean, man. Yeah, and like he was food aggressive, but like to the point where like it wasn't even... It, I felt like the person didn't even need to be near the kennel. He just had yeah. to have like some idea that food was coming and he would just yeah. freak the fuck out. Yeah. Do you remember? I don't know if you guys still did it when I when because uh, he had gotten so good by the time I left. But when I first got there, how they got Harry Potter in and out of the kennel. No. So- <laughs> I forgot about this. So Harry Potter was labeled staff only because he had issues with people coming into the kennel and coming out of the kennel. Um, so like if you put him in the kennel and then tried to leave, he'd start like jumping and mouthing you. So <laughs> when I got there, they were like, oh, he's staff only, be careful, blah, blah, blah. And they're like, let us show you how to get him in and out of the kennel. And so they would, it took two people. And, <laughs> <Jesus>. <laughs> and so they would have someone with a spoonful of peanut butter go to the back of the kennel and hold it there so that you could get into the, the kennel. <laughs> and then you would leash him up and take him out. And then they would do the same thing when you brought him back so that he would be eating peanut butter and you could sneak out. And I got there and I was like, bro, he knows sit stay. Like, <laughs> just put him in a fucking sit stay. <laughs> like- but also, like, I mean, I feel like, okay, yeah, he is big. So I get it at some level. It's It worries you a little bit. But, like, he was honestly really easy to distract. Like, he was pretty. And so obedient. Yeah, so, like, I feel like so even if, if you just kind of, like, moved into his space a little bit and, like, held a treat down low, he would have been like, oh, okay, cool, thanks. Like, <laughs> Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's what was so funny to me. I was like, guys, I was looking at my Facebook post today to, like, try to remind me what all happened. There, I even made a post that was like, Harry Potter is, exa- well, at that time, his name was Scarface. Scarface is so much like every dog I know that is d- terrible in a shelter because he's bored out of his fucking mind. Because yeah. <laughs> I got there and I was like, um, do you guys know that he knows like sit down, stay? He knows all of his basic commands. And they're like, what are you talking about? <laughs> he's just taking you for all your worth because you don't know. <laughs> but yeah, the the first appointment was probably one of my favorite things in life, I think. It was hard as shit. But... <laughs> Oh, I know what I was going to say. So the weird thing about the first appointment 
is that, let's see, I was there from like September 26th to like October 3rd or 4th. And so obviously that was the year, not obviously, but if you're in Vegas, obviously, (laughs) that was the year of October 1. I think October 1 was a Sunday, like a Sunday night going into Monday, I think, because it was a really weird kind of the way that it happened was really weird. So if you don't know, October 1 is the mass shooting that was in Vegas. But so it was really weird the way that it happened because I had, there was some, oh, there it had to have been a Sunday because there was a football game. So we couldn't get into NRG Arena the way that we normally did. So we had to catch a shuttle to get in because there was um, tailgaters and everything. And the, the like entrance, it was closed down because you can't, if you don't have tickets, you can't go, blah, blah, blah. And I couldn't find the shuttle. <laughs> I just wandered around Houston forever. And so I ended up missing the shuttle and they were like, just take the day off. So I went to Target and got, like, Epsom salts and, like, (laughs) face masks and shit because it was was so sore and exhausted. And so that that day I ended up being off. And then I went to bed early because I was like, all right, I got to go back to work in the morning. I went to bed at, like, 9 or something. And I woke up out of a dead sleep at, like, 2 a.m. Because my phone started going off. And I was like, what? And it was, uh, I think it was one of my Seattle friends was like, where are you? And I was like, what are you talking about? Uh, I was like, I'm in Houston. (laughs) She was like, you're not at a country concert in Vegas, right? And I'm like, no, what are you talking about? And so I turned on the news, or I look up the news on my phone. At that time, it had just happened. I think it started at like midnight or something. I don't remember. So it had just happened. And there were all these weird like news reports of like, there was a shooter at the Flamingo. And like all the initial information was like crazy and wrong. Uh, about like oh there was some guy just wandering the strip shooting people and all this stuff and so we were I'm like what the fuck's going on so I just started texting on my friends being like where are you (laughs) tell me you weren't at this concert and most of them were like what are you talking about dude I'm asleep what's going on and I was like you need to go turn on the news so that was like two or three days before I left and so after that obviously I just wanted to go home (laughs) yeah So that was kind of a weird, that's like one of the things that I remember most about that deployment was just like, I got to go home, man. (laughs) I got to go home. Uh, And it was just weird because coming home from that, it was at the time Churchill was still doing therapy. So like I got home from deployment and then we just did like four days straight of therapy work nonstop. Like it was, it was fucking crazy. Were you going into like hospitals or funerals or both? So we, so there's this really (laughs) weird thing that like you just don't think about until it happens in your town. But like, so you don't realize when that happens, like all of everything gets backed up. All the morgues are full. Mm. All the mortuaries are full. Everybody is, the cops are all working overtime. The hospitals are all working overtime. The mortuaries are all working overtime. Uh, We went to the mortuary quite a few, um, a couple times uh, because all their staff is just like what the fuck man yeah <laughs> and you don't realize that i'd never realized it too they had the shooter's body oh wow and so like that's a lot to deal with and then yeah. they have to have security because people are trying to fuck with that yeah and so it was like all the everybody's working overtime uh which i mean i would have i never think about that when you hear about mass shootings right but yeah so we did the mortuary some of the candlelight vigils and then i think our last job 
was a funeral. One of because most of the people that died weren't local. Um, hmm. They were in town for the concert. So one of the local um, ladies that died, uh, she had her funeral at Red Rock. And so we were hired for that. And that was our last one because that was like, I think that was our fourth or our fifth day in a row. And Church was really good at his job, obviously. So like, he would just go and walk in and be like, hi, I'm Church, pet me. Yeah. <laughs> And when we were at the funeral, he was just like sleeping in a corner and was like, bro, <laughs> I can't, this is my fifth day of work in a row and I can't. <laughs> so then I had to kind of call our like head person and be like, hey, we need a couple days off. Churchill's exhausted and he's not, <laughs> he doesn't want to work anymore. But yeah, that was the weirdest part of like that first appointment is that my last couple days, I didn't, I don't think I really did anything. I mean, I was there and I was still doing everything that I was, but I wasn't like, there's no evidence of it. <laughs> like, I don't right. have really very many photos or anything like that. Um, Which, uh, if you know Laura at all, she posts like a hundred times a day. <laughs> like, <laughs> everything is very well documented. Yeah. <laughs> you didn't get a tattoo for Houston, did you? Oh, um, I didn't get a tattoo for it, but I got a tattoo in Houston. But it's a Balto tattoo. Okay, that's what I couldn't remember. I was like, I thought we both got tattoos. But, um, so yeah, one of my last days... Me and I think Nancy, who was like my supervisor, and oh, maybe it wasn't Nancy. I don't know. Me and one of the girls, it was both of our last days, and so we went to the tattoo shop and got a tattoo. (laughs) In hindsight, it was a bad idea because I got the outline of Texas with the Best Friends logo and the four A numbers of the my four favorite dogs. And one of which is Harry Potter, which in hindsight is funny. Uh, (laughs) But it's hilarious now because it's on my forearm. And so probably once a week, somebody will be like, oh, are you from Texas? And I'm like, no, I actually fucking hate Texas. But thank you. (laughs) I understand why you're confused. That is so hysterical to me. And then people that know are like, you have the best friends logo tattooed on you. And I'm like, listen. I'm not like a fanatic. It just, they're the ones that brought me there. Okay. <laughs> I got my shoulder tattoo. It's just a little outline of a wolf. So it's supposed to be Balto. And eventually I want to get a little moon, like he's howling at the moon, and it'll be Balto and Mooney. Um, That's so but it's, cute. Yeah, but it's just Balto right now. She plays favorites. I do. Um. I absolutely do. Balto is my favorite. I tell it to Mooney all the time. I tell it to Indy. I'm like, listen, don't try to worm your way into spot number one. You cannot. (laughs) That's so funny. But yeah, the first appointment was definitely like I fell in love with emergency response. Like so much. Yeah. (laughs) If, If I did not have a house full of dogs, I would be doing it like full time. For sure. There's something really awesome about feeling like I'm doing something that is needed and that like nobody else here apparently can do. Like I'm like fulfilling a role, you know? Yeah. It's like, it's a good feeling. (laughs) Cool. So that was um, our time in Houston separately. And we will take a break here. And when we get back, we are going to talk about our second deployment that we did together. Margarita check. Laura, how's your fucking margarita? It's gone. <laughs> it's gone. It was delicious. I wouldn't drink two. 
just because it's so sweet. I think if I made it again, I would definitely do less grenadine. Mm-hmm. But it was mm-hmm. good. It's good. It's definitely it being a Texas Roadhouse. Like it's definitely like a restaurant margarita for sure. Yeah. <laughs> 100%, but it was pretty tasty. It's so funny that you said, like, you've never been to one, because I'm pretty sure on the last day of my, or the last night of my Houston deployment, I think that everyone took me out to a Texas roadhouse in Houston as, like, a goodbye. Oh, really? Yeah. That's funny. <laughs> Which was hysterical, because, like, all of the best friend staff members were, like, really obnoxiously vegan. <laughs> that's... Uh, that's- <laughs> That is a definite theme for sure. Well, in the first appointment, uh, all the food trucks were vegan, but they were delicious, so I didn't give a shit. But yeah, the second round where we like went out to restaurants every night was so annoying. <laughs> <laughs> oh my yeah. god. That, I feel like that was the big difference, too, between the first and second deployment. The first deployment, everybody was like, we're in this together. And the second deployment was just like... Yeah, just do your fucking job and shut up. Like, <laughs> not in a rude way, but just in a like, we're the staff and you're not. Yeah, I remember at the first deployment, I mean, we're back in this the last segment, but I remember at the first deployment, we all went out to like some taco place together. And like, I just remember on the way feeling really awkward because they were all talking about how like, well, of course, like you can't have a conscience and not be vegan. Like basically that was like the conversation. (laughs) And I was just sitting here like, I eat so much meat. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, and so we got to the taco place and I was like, do I order what I want? Or like, are they going to attack me? What what I'm morally allowed to have. (laughs) Anyways, uh... Margarita check. How's your eye of the hurricane? Uh, it's fine. I um, <laughs> it's fine. I that does not sound like a seven star margarita. <laughs> yeah, I might, I might downgrade it a little bit now. Actually, <laughs> well, because I d- I did my second pour, so it's a little more watery now. Like the ice oh, had melted. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I haven't had tequila in kind of a long time because I feel like having doing the podcast and having it every other week. Like, whenever I have a cocktail at home, I'm like, well, I, I'm not going to have a margarita because I have it yeah. at the podcast. They're so mandatory I, at other times. Yeah. Right. So I'm not drinking a lot of tequila. And I feel like it's, like, sneaking up on me a little bit right now. I can see that. So our second deployment in Katy. Katy was awesome. So Katy is a, a city just outside of Houston. I know it's, like, kind of weird just to hear it because it's, like, a person's name. But <laughs> it is a place. And it was awesome because Laura and I were there at the same time for that one. So this is where I brought her into the magical world of margaritas. And she fell in did, love with her sangria I, margarita. <laughs> I did not even think about that until I was reading this a minute ago. And I was like, oh, my God, that is technically where Dogaritaville started. Yeah. <laughs> Katie, Texas. Yeah. Congrats, Katie. It's your one achievement. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so the NRG Arena, I don't think we really went into too much of the distemper outbreak, but because of the distemper outbreak, you could not transport anybody. Uh, like, no, none of the dogs could go to rescue, or at least none of the, a large portion of them couldn't. Um, so green dogs were the only one that could potentially leave. And even then it was like, well, just in case, uh, which is one of the reasons I'd never brought Harry Potter home was because nobody was allowed to cross state lines because of the December outbreak. That's, I mean, that's the entire reason that there was a Katie, right? Is yeah. because uh, months after 
there were still, you know, hundreds of dogs that couldn't leave. And at that time, I'm trying to remember, was there only one distemper bungalow in Katy? I don't remember. I didn't work with any or of the distemper. It might have been two. And then there was a ringworm. Oh, right. Yes. Fucking A. That was my first day and I should have known then. Uh, <laughs> so as much as I loved the first deployment is almost as much as I hated the second deployment. Uh, <laughs> so the second deployment at that by that time, when was that? December? It was November. By that time, they had moved from Energy Arena to they had basically rented out a doggy boarding facility out in Katy. Katy is like it's kind of the country a little bit, I guess. It's a little bit more rural. Um, and so they had basically leased this doggy boarding facility that was huge. They basically split it in half where the the boarding facility was able to still run out of these certain bungalows. And then best friends had the rest of them. Um, and then they had like the quarantine bungalows of like these kennels are ringworm. Those kennels are distemper. These ones are just dogs that need someplace to go now. Um and oh my god. <laughs> so, Lara's bullet point here, the only thing that she wrote on this whole fucking page <laughs> is a, a bullet point right here that says, what an absolute fucking shit show disaster. <laughs> <laughs> Which, don't get me wrong, I mean, it's emergency response. NRG Arena wasn't a well-organized machine by any means. But Katie was so much fucking worse. <laughs> like, yeah, and it's so weird when you think about it because the energy arena was a well-oiled machine for what it was, you know? Like yeah, for how, absolutely. How soon after the event it had happened and for the distemper outbreak and everything. But then Katie, with even more practice and experience, was like somehow a totally different... It literally got worse. It was just a poorly ran shelter at that point. <laughs> like, oh, man. Well, and what really pissed me off about katie is that it's not like we contacted them and was like oh can we please come out again do you still need us right they went out of their way to contact us and say hey we really need people that can handle dogs would you consider coming back if we paid for it which of course was like super flattering and we're like oh okay (laughs) right look at us and it was a very nice hotel and i don't know too i felt like the staff was super it, it definitely wasn't like the first appointment where everybody was like thank you so much for coming here's how we do this like can you help us with that it was for me at least I don't know about you but like for me at least it felt a lot more like here's your assignment go do it yeah I would agree with that the different the difference between us is that like at the time I was of not like not of the skill level where I cared. I was like, okay, cool, like put me to work. Yeah, yeah. But Laura <laughs> was like there because like they were like we needed we need someone like you who can handle like the more difficult dogs. Yeah. So the first day, I was in the distemper bungalows, and if you're in the distemper bungalows, you can't go in any of the other bungalows. Um, so it's kind of boring because it's only like six dogs or something, and you're there all day. Uh, and they weren't allowed to go for walks, so you're kind of just... I mean, they were allowed to go for walks, but it's, like, in a little small field that's, you know, whatever. So it was really boring, and there weren't any heart dogs, and I was just like, why did you pay for me to come all the way? Like, I mean, they bought my airfare, they bought my hotel, like, everything. Why are you paying me to walk dogs that anybody can handle? Like, it was just super... I have a very low tolerance for inefficiency. (laughs) (laughs) Which is shocking considering what a chaotic shit show my life is, but 
So I think it was the second day I wasn't in the distemper bungalows. And whatever bungalow I was in, there was a dog named Snowball who. Oh, Snow White, right? Snow, Snow White. White. Yeah. I That's was like, who the was. fuck is Snowball? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so this fucking dog. I can't remember if she was a pity mix or if she was like a little kind of like weird shepherdy mix. Wasn't she I th- a pity mix? I remember her looking kind of houndy, like beagly, maybe. Oh, maybe, yeah. But so she's this little white dog. She's a fucking puppy. She's like nine, ten months old. And she's staff only for biting. And I'm like laughing <laughs> because this fucking 40 pound puppy is in bite quarantine. And I like, I don't know if I went to go take her out or if I asked to take her out and they said no. I don't know. But they would not let me even look at this fucking dog. And I'm like, bro, it's a 40 pound puppy. Are you kidding right now? Right. And they were like, no, absolutely not. And I'm like, so then why am I here if I can't handle the staff only dogs? Because at that time in Katie, like, I feel like a lot of the dogs were staff only because those are the dogs that were left. Yeah. (laughs) So in my head, I'm thinking okay, I'm just talking to the wrong person. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I need to go talk to somebody. They'll give me my clearance. We'll be fine. Because again, why the fuck would you pay all this money for me to come back when I can't do anything? Yeah. It was not an error. (laughs) And so then, so I mean, you're just, what did we do in Katie? It was mostly just like walking and cleaning, right? Like what I remember most, I was in the ringworm unit a lot. So I walked all of those dogs, but then also there was, like, medication that we had to give them and, yeah. like, yeah, cleaning up their kennels and stuff. And I actually really liked cleaning the most because they were air-conditioned units and cleaning was True. inside and it was so fucking hot outside. So I was like, I'll clean, I'll clean. <laughs> but there was, like, this, uh, that, like, little pond or something, or maybe it was, like, it hadn't yeah, yeah, been filled yeah. in yet, but, like, you could, like, walk around this, like, big dirt pit yeah. basically yeah it was like a random quarry it was weird yeah i feel like it was gonna turn into a dog lake at some point yeah yeah the quarry was uh it'll come up with cherry uh, <laughs> <laughs> dear god um but yeah i don't know it was just the vibe was a lot worse like the people that were in charge i feel like i remember specifically and it's funny because i'm kind of friends with her now but like one of the leads there were like two or three leads that were like younger girls and they were just kind of like, they came off like very stereotypical mean girls and they were just like, they had their jokes and did their thing and just kind of stared at you. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Which is hilarious because one of them ended up being like Harry Potter's advocate that got me to take him eventually. And she's really cool. But at the time I was like, you fucking bitches. (laughs) But yeah, so I didn't last long, right? I was supposed to be there for seven days. I don't remember how long I was there. I think you were only there like three or four days, maybe. (laughs) But like, yeah, it was like, um, so my experience with like, okay, I don't think that they know what they're doing as much as they did last time. Because I, at this point, I have no fucking idea. Like, I'm just there. I'm like learning. But it was such a stark difference from NRG, right? Yeah. Like, that's how we knew. Like, the the big moment that I had was I went to go take out this dog that had like, (laughs) that had like notes all over. It's kind of like, take it out with two leashes. Like, this dog is like, you know, like not not friendly, like whatever else, like is going to ruin your whole fucking life. And I like walked in and it was like an 18 pound dog. 
I was like, my cat weighs more than this, and I have to put two leashes on it. It was like a poofy black dog. Because there was that little black dog that was so wild. Here, let me see. I don't remember it being poofy, though. Oh, no, no. The the one who was wild was, um, like, Sadie, maybe? I don't, I remember, I just remember this, like, kind of medium-sized black dog that everybody was just like, this fucking bitch. (laughs) Yeah, I have to. She's just wild. She cracked me up. I have to go look up my post about this. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. He he looks like a like a little mini Rottweiler almost. But yeah, he he needs two leashes. He needs two leashes. And and then also like I asked someone about it later cuz I was like, what does this dog need two leashes for? And they were like, "Oh, well, um he likes to like play tug with the leash." And I was like, <laughs> "So you just give him two? Like <laughs> what?" Yeah. <laughs> I don't I remember it. I don't I don't remember that dog but I do remember now the double leash system. So the leash system in Katie. So in NRG everybody was on slip leads which is what I use typically not as much now but I used to use religiously and that's what I'm comfortable with. It makes handling pretty much any dog a lot easier. So NRG I felt right at home. But when we came back to Katie <laughs> everybody I think was on easy walks. Oh, or a yeah. lot of them were. Yeah. Um, and let me right. tell you, in a hot, sweaty bungalow, I am not going to be fucking around in a kennel putting a fucking easy walk on a dog that's jumping all over the place with shit all over them. I'm not doing it. <laughs> <laughs> so that was the third or fourth thing that I was just like, fuck this. Yeah. And keep in mind, like, we're there for emergency response. And so, like, the dogs are getting out only as often as we can get them out. And so, like... I mean, I would say at least like 30, 40% of the time that you take a dog out of the kennel, there's poop all over the floor. Yeah. Like, it was like not a clean situation. (laughs) Yeah. So after the snowball thing, I was like, this is not good. (laughs) This is not like, if I'm going to take a week off of work, I need to be doing something better than this. Like, don't get me wrong. Like, I want to help. But like, it's a waste of my time. To be there to just walk dogs like Susie from accounting. Like, <laughs> it just, it doesn't make sense. Uh, because, yeah, they were, they paid for me to be there, but I wasn't getting paid to be there. So I'm missing out on seven days of income. Yeah. Um, and it's just super frustrating for me because it's like, bro, I can handle this dog better than you. Like, severely. <laughs> not to be a dick. Like, I'm not trying to be a pompous asshole, but just like sorry that's just the fact like what are you doing and so snowball was like my first one that was like okay this isn't good we're gonna have some trouble and then easy walk was the second (laughs) and I was like fuck these easy walks and then I think it was like my second or third day I met cherry (laughs) I'll put met in quotation marks so cherry I literally posted I posted his picture and was like, if Noble and someone had a love child, this would be him. Because he's just this massive, like, 90-pound pit bull who acted like a puppy. And when I tell you that he was in maximum security lockdown, <laughs> yes, he had double gates on every side of his kennel. He had double gates as a root. Most of these kennels, these outside, out, outside sections of the indoor-outdoor kennels don't have roofs he had like double roofing uh he had i think double locks on the inside door there were notes all over his kennel two staff members at all times 
to- like I'm surprised sirens didn't go off when you looked at him. Like, <laughs> <laughs> and so I immediately am like, he's smaller than Noble and looks a lot like him. I love him. <laughs> Noble is my dog, for those of you that don't know. So I'm like, oh my god, this dog. And he literally, like, I walk up to his kennel, which I got yelled at for. I walk up to his kennel, and he's just, like, throwing a bone in the air, clearly bored out of his mind, and, like, (laughs) desperately wants to play with me. And they're like, get away from his kennel! (laughs) I'm like, "What, what the fuck is going on here? And there's notes on his kennel. I don't know if it was on his kennel or if I saw it. Or if they talked about it or what, but there was notes like "find sanctuary, not adoptable." Like, <laughs> yeah, like the word hyperbole like doesn't even begin to like describe the way that they talked about this dog. <laughs> like, you would have thought he ate babies for a living. Like, yeah. <laughs> well, and when you saw, so like, like Laura said, it had to be two staff members all the time. And when you saw the two staff members walking oh my him god. around, like, oh it, my god, <laughs> it looked like they were scared to death. Like. I can't tell you. So first of all, he did not come out until all the other dogs were done for walks. That's right. And there was a walkie. There was a walkie-talkie system. I literally sat there and I just watched this all play out. And I was like, "You've got to be fucking kidding me!" I would sit. There was like a, a stack of like tile or bricks or something that I would just sit on and watch this all unfold. So once we were done with morning rounds and everybody had gotten walked, that was time that Cherry would come out. <laughs> so once I forgot <laughs> all about that, that's so ridiculous. <laughs> so once everybody was done, I would sit on this pile of bricks or whatever the fuck it was and just watch. And two people, they, first of all, they'd get on the radios and say, is everybody clear? Cherry's coming out. Which basically meant, like, make sure there's no dogs out. Yeah. And, <laughs> and two people would go to the kennel. It would take them several minutes to gear him up because they had him on a fucking easy walk. And then they would bring him out, both of them holding a leash on either side. And he would just drag these poor fools all the way around the quarry. Just wherever he wanted to go. If he wanted to go down in the quarry, they were going down in the quarry with him. Like, he would just drag these motherfuckers wherever the fuck he wanted to go. And I'm like, so it's not that he's so aggressive. It's that y'all motherfuckers can't stop him from doing what he wants to do. That's, like, why he can't come out with all the other dogs. They're like, no, he's severely reactive. And I'm like, well, he's also taking you wherever the fuck he wants to go. So, yeah. It was so calm. I, I literally, I can play it in my mind like a movie. Him just dragging Susie and some guy, just dragging them around the quarry. Just wherever he wanted to go, he just dragged both of them. And I'm like, how are you dragging two fully grown humans? <laughs> like, what is happening? And this is like the perfect depiction of Katie to me. They would not let me go in that kennel. They would not let me touch him. They would not let me do anything with this dog. They were like, no, absolutely not. And their their reasoning was that I think they ended up having problems in the long run because they were like, oh, people were coming out that were trainers and were doing like aversive methods or um, were saying that they could handle dogs that they couldn't and things happened or whatever. I don't know if they were having too many bites. I don't know. But that was their reasoning for why I wasn't allowed to do staff-only dogs was like, oh, well, we've just had problems with people saying they can handle things they can't or doing things that we don't approve of or blah, blah, blah. And I was like, all right, but I was already here for a week doing it. (laughs) Yeah. But so the, like, 
the thing that says it all about Katie is that they would not let me touch this dog. They would not let me go near his kennel. And so then I finally go to, because at this point it's like day four and I'm like, you know what? I'm done. Like, I'm just going to go home. <laughs> Why yeah. am I fucking here? And so I'm like, all right, I- I'm going to see if I can change my flight. So I go to the front office and I'm like, hey, I'm a network part. My rescue is a network partner. Because they were talking about uh, sending him to, like, Stefan Baldwin. Oh, my God. They were like, we need to find a sanctuary for severe dogs. Like, this dog is so bad. And so I went to the front office and I was like, hey, my rescue is a network partner. Like, could we potentially take him? And they were like, well, I'll have to check. I'm not sure. (laughs) And it went so fucking quickly from you can't look or touch at this dog to let us rent you a van and you can drive by yourself from Houston to Vegas with him. Yeah. And he's your he's your problem now. Okay. And I'm like, so, so like from your point of view, like this this describes Katie. For from my point of view, and I'm sure anyone who knows you, this describes <laughs> Laura. Like I was told that I cannot do this thing. I'm gonna take the fucking dog home with me. Like <laughs> I was, that was like the number one post that came up when I was going through everything today was the picture of us. Because of course, everybody, (laughs) like the whole staff, the whole staff was like, can we take pictures before you leave? Blah, blah, blah. So they literally paid to rent a fucking minivan one way, which is so expensive for like four days, one way from Houston to Las Vegas. And they don't fucking know me. They don't know how I drive. Like they don't know anything. So they literally paid to rent a minivan. So that I could just take this dog home. And I'm like, so I'm not allowed to touch him here. But if I want to just take him home, have a good time. And the picture, (laughs) the the whole picture thing was hysterical to me because like nobody's allowed to look at this dog. But then there's like 12 people just sitting right in front of your van with Cherry. And they're they're putting him in a fucking van with me by myself to go (laughs) travel across the fucking country. Like, not not a single time was anybody like, oh, maybe somebody should go with her. Like, nothing. He is no longer a two-staff yeah. member dog. <laughs> it was so funny. But the post that kept coming up was that it was a picture of me and Cherry in the van and a picture of all of us in the back of the van before I left. And the, I just captioned it, I don't really take no for an answer. <laughs> like one like okay you're such a dick but then also like that's funny (laughs) yeah and that's exactly what it was too like i feel like there was like i mean in her heart of hearts laura wants to save every dog so there's like at least 10 percent of like i want to save this dog but i feel like it was 90 percent just pure fucking absolutely absolutely i did not want another dog i just knew that they were gonna ruin this dog's life and i couldn't do it i couldn't stand by and be like yo y'all are ridiculous like <laughs> oh and my it's God. not if if anybody from Katie or anybody is listening to this, it, it has nothing to do with you. Please don't take it personally. We're not saying that you're incompetent. It was just the whole the whole thing. Like it's not it's not like best friends is incompetent. It's not like the people that were there were incompetent. It was just the perfect fucking storm of like politics and trying to keep people safe that just and un, and volunteers that nobody knew coming from all over the country like. Being a manager now and, like, running shit, I get it. I get it 100%, but it was just so ridiculous. Yeah, honestly, you don't need to be doing anything wrong in order for us to get mad and yell about things. Yeah, so, also. Yeah, also. don't worry about it. Uh, but so, I like, just don't you want had, anybody to feel bad. So you had quite a different experience than I had. Again, because, like, at this point, I was still just this, like, you know, I'm pretty inexperienced, and this is a chance to, like, 
do some hands-on work and everything. Um, and so I remember like one moment that was a breakthrough moment for me confidence-wise. There was this moment where they were trying to give or give a nose swab to some dog, like to get oh yeah to test, know, them. test for something. Yeah. And she, the dog, the dog's name was Katie, and <laughs> she wouldn't let anybody do it. And I just had this moment where I was like looking at it, and I was like. I can do it. Like, I know what she needs. And I took her, like, out of the kennel, out into the field, away from everybody, and just did it. And it was, like, just the absence of the people around her. But I was just, like, I just remember being, like, I know what I know what needs to happen. I know it. Like, <laughs> I know the thing. And, like, and up until now, I'm, like, taking advice from everyone else. And, and this, this was, like, the first moment that I felt, like, I think I know something that they don't know. Like, it just felt, like, really, really good. Yeah. Um, so that was one moment that was really influential for me just in my career. But then another thing that I remember from Katie, it was just like one of the best moments that I've ever been a part of where one of the dogs who was boarding there, their family found them and got to like they came to come pick up the dog. Um, they had lost the dog in the hurricane and like came to come pick what up the dog. What dog was that? It was like a light tan dog, um, kind of smallish, not pit bully. I don't remember its name. I, oh, Sunny. I think the name was Sunny. I feel like I vaguely remember that. Was it when um, I was still there? I feel like it was toward the end of my stay. So I don't think you were there. I remember a family coming, but I don't know if they adopted the dog or if it was that dog. Yeah, but I remember like watching this because um, it, you know, these people are like, oh, we lost our dog and we think that you have our dog or whatever. And then they came and it was just obvious. Like as soon as the dog saw them, it was obvious that yeah. it was their dog. And it was like one of the most magical things I've ever seen. It was so sweet. <laughs> so like those are my two big moments from Katie. I really liked my trip. I really liked the trip and that like it was fun. Like we would go out to dinner every night and drink our margaritas and we all like stayed in the same hotel. And like it was fun in that aspect. Yeah. It was just really frustrating from a, like, I'm here to be productive and, like, change dogs, and you won't let me touch dogs. <laughs> like, but, yeah, the the cherry thing will forever be one of my shining moments. <laughs> and the drive home was so funny. So, to give the dogs enrichment, because there were so many, like, Amazon boxes showing up every day and stuff like that um, from people sending enrichment and all that. So we would have enrichment time every day, like once or twice, I think. And uh, one of them was like water bottles and boxes. And so when we were getting ready to leave, they gave me a case of water to take in the van. And like almost immediately when we got on the road, he just starts opening water bottles. <laughs> like he just starts grabbing water bottles out of the cases. But the drive from Houston to Vegas is like mildly terrifying because... There are cops everywhere. And, like, even though I didn't leave the United States, I had to go through some sort of, like, border checkpoint, I don't yeah. know, which was, like, it's terrible. I've never driven anywhere like that much. I've done a lot of road trips, but not, like, literally, there were huge stretches of highway where there would be a cop, like, every 10, 15 miles. It was terrifying. I felt like I was in a police state. And I'm just by myself with this huge fucking dog that I don't know that everybody said is fucking Cujo. And, like, obviously, I knew he wasn't Cujo, but I was still like, uh, <laughs> there's cops everywhere, and I'm by myself in this weird Texas place. <laughs> and as somebody um, who has needed to follow Lara in a car somewhere, she does not drive in such a way that it's helpful <laughs> that there are cops around. 
Shut up. Um, but it was hilarious because we like we stayed at at least one hotel. I kind of want to say we stayed at two hotels, but I can't imagine the drive is that long. But he was Cherry was perfect. Like he was an idiot. He was big and rude and stupid. But like we slept in bed together at the hotel. Like we thought went to, we went into a pet store and he picked out a bunch of toys. <laughs> and doesn't he live with like a, a family with other dogs? Yeah, so we get him home, and I quickly, he, we, his nickname when I fostered him was Baby Gorilla, because he was just a wild fucking animal. Like, he just, he doesn't mean anything by anything. He wouldn't know how to be mean if his fucking life depended on it. But he's just a big fucking beast that just bulldozes and has no concept for what is right or wrong. (laughs) Like, just, he's just a fucking wild gorilla. And so I fostered him. I didn't even foster him for that long. I don't think we had him very long. He got adopted really quickly. Yeah. But I started dog testing him and he passed with flying. He was super dog friendly and super playful. And you know what the bitch of it was? Come to find out months and months later after all of this aggressive dog bullshit, this motherfucker came in with another dog. When he was at NRG Arena, he came in with a girlfriend who was a little shaggy female. And I didn't find that out until I had had him for several months. And I was like, are you fucking kidding me? He came in with another dog. And just nobody communicated that to anybody. Wow. Because I know, because a bunch of people started following me and they're like, you take, you took Cherry, you took Cherry. And they were like, do you know what happened to his girlfriend? And I was like, what are you talking about? And I'm like, nobody in Katie had any idea that he had originally come in with, with another dog. None. That's why he was labeled so aggressive. Because he was frustrated that he couldn't be around other dogs. <laughs> like, And then if you have a dog who is that big, making those kinds of reactions. Oh, yeah. Like, you don't really want to take chances. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and he's so fucking strong. Like, yeah. dear God. But yeah, I mean, I didn't hate Katie. I think at the time I hated it because I was super frustrated. But in hindsight, it, it was just frustrating, not terrible. <laughs> and I still had fun. I had a single room, which was like the light of my life. Can you imagine me having had a roommate? I really would have left. Oh, my God. Yeah. So the first night, I remember I we were you and I were going to go out um, and get margaritas and like go get dinner. And my roommate was like... I could tell that she wanted to be invited. And I was like, you don't want to go to dinner with Laura today. Like in my head. I didn't say that out loud. <laughs> I just like never invited her. But I could tell that she was like, oh, yeah, I'm just going to kind of like see what people are doing. And then she would like look at me and I'd be like, OK, well, bye. <laughs> and I just left. Okay. And I, was okay, like, bye. I was like, Laura would kill me if I just showed up to dinner with someone. <laughs> this is also a good time to plug why I'm not in yappy hour. <laughs> For now, I think you'll I think you'll be there eventually. Hopefully, <laughs> we'll see. So there's uh, our stories about our Houston trip and our Katie trip. We'll take a break here, and when we get back, we are going to do a Q and A. Final margarita check. Oh, you're doing the final margarita check. Why not? Why not? <laughs> um. Um, I am done with my margarita. We both are because we've been rambling for fucking two hours and seven minutes. Well, it's not empty. I'm just done. I'm done <laughs> drinking it. 
<laughs> I can tell that. It's going to make I my tummy hurt. It. <laughs> oh, your little tum-tum. My little tum-tum. So I'm eating a cookie instead. <laughs> if I wasn't so lazy that I didn't want to get up and go get my edibles, I would also be eating a cookie. <laughs> my margarita is still gone. Like I said, wouldn't drink a second one, but it was good. Great. <laughs> so for segment four today, we're going to do a Q&A. I miss Q&As. Yeah, I want more of them. And we have a tier on that for Patreon, you guys. So um, get on our Patreon and ask us questions and we'll be forced to answer them on yeah. on air. Um, but for now, I had to text Ariel and ask her if it was okay if I used this as a Q&A. And she said yes. Um, but Ariel was a friend of mine that I met at Evil Starbucks. I totally thought that you guys knew each other, but I guess not. Um, and I mean, she- I could have forgotten, but I really don't think so. I believe you. And then she and I um, lived together for a year. And um, she just recently got a new dog and she started listening to our podcast. And she said it's been very, very helpful for her navigating with her new dog, which is great. And she left us a beautiful review. And so I was like, you know what? Let's do her Q&A. So she texted me a couple weeks ago. And full disclosure, like, I've already talked out this with her. Like, this is not really for her benefit that we're talking about this. I just thought it was relatable. Way to ruin the Q&A. <sighs> I'm so sorry. But it's it's a relatable situation. I think that it'll be fun to talk out anyways. Um, so get over it. <laughs> Here's what Ariel asked me. She said, we adopted a 16-week-old German Shepherd mix puppy from a shelter in town. She's been pretty sleepy and docile and chill so far, but it's only been a week. The other two dogs are pretty unsure about her. Otis, who is a rot beagle mix and five years old, has made himself clear he is not to fuck with. Phoebe, who is eight years old and a Boston Terrier, tries to avoid her mostly. My concerns. The new pup has bonded with me pretty hard. We are crate training, so at night I have her on the floor next to my bed. I'm sleeping with her in our room while Kayla and the other, Kayla's her partner, and the other two have been in the guest bed while training. She has done amazing with potty training, but I have noticed she's been getting braver with the other dogs. She's a puppy, but way bigger than Phoebe. New pup started growling when Phoebe walks by her food. And yesterday when we were playing in the yard, Lou, the new pup, finally got got fully on top of Phoebe and Phoebe wiggled out and started snarling. I can tell Lou gets in Phoebe's face a lot to lick and smell. So I guess I'm just really concerned of aggression forming. I think she means between them. She didn't have a great start to life, and since she's going to be so big and strong, I'm concerned for my other babies. My partner and I are having a lot of anxiety that we didn't make the right choice in bringing in a third dog, but I really want to make it work. I'm looking for trainers right now in my area. So that was the text that I got from Ariel. Um, so I'll just go ahead and let you like dissect that and uh, talk out your thoughts. Um, so do you know, if you guys already talked it out, then I'm sure you do, but so it said she started growling when Phoebe would walk by her food. Um, and then playing in the yard, she got fully on top of Phoebe. Does she mean she went after her over like a toy or she just got on our like play with her and Phoebe got pissed? It sounded like a play situation from okay. Lou. And then Phoebe was like, absolutely fucking not. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So a couple things. <laughs> uh, and I think you and I will handle this situation pretty differently. My immediate reaction is that you're already babying the shit out of her too much. So assuming that you guys, you, her and her partner normally sleep in the same bedroom, there is absolutely no fucking reason why that should have been separated 
because of the puppy. Like, Oh, no, no, no. I totally agree. So I agree with Ariel on this one. And this is because I have puppies come through here all the time. Scott needs to sleep. And when the puppies first get here, they cry at, in night, at, at night. So I think Ariel sleeps in the room with her while she's crate training so that she can take her out to potty or whatever. But the other person sleeps in a different room so that she doesn't get woken up by the puppy sounds. That's what Scott no. and I do. <laughs> no. Why? No. <laughs> Why? Because it's nighttime and they need to sleep through the night. I mean, obviously, a puppy can't hold it for eight hours. That's why you would do, like, potty pads or an X-Pen instead of a kennel or something. But no, I don't fucking wake up for anybody. Nor but, like, am I changing my sleeping routine. <laughs> the puppy's going to make noise, though. And so if Kayla doesn't want to wake up, she should be in a different room, right? Yeah, I don't put kennels in my bedroom ever. Oh, I like, see. Okay. That that puppy is not going to because to me that creates the separation anxiety and creates the issue. Whereas if we just make it routine of hey, you sleep in your kennel away from us, that's normal. Um yeah, people do that shit all a ton of my clients do that and especially puppy people do that where they if the dog has kennel issues or if it's not if it's too young to be kennel trained or if it whines in the kennel they, oh, I brought it in my bedroom and that solves the issue. Like, no, <laughs> you're creating more of that dependency. I completely disagree. <laughs> yeah, I knew you would. I knew you would. Yeah, so I would definitely, I put puppies, not that I have puppies very often, but when I do, I put them in a separate bedroom by themselves and they can cry if they want to. Yeah, I definitely, I don't like that. There's no reason why we should be changing our whole sleep routine and interrupting our... Uh, normal routine i think there's a very good reason in that we got a dog (laughs) yeah (laughs) i I mean i'm not opposed to like waking up to let it out at night and stuff like that but like to not sleep with your partner because you have a puppy like that's ridiculous to me um so yeah i definitely wouldn't do that i would have the puppy sleeping in a kennel somewhere at the other end of the house or whatever so that it either doesn't wake you up if you can't be woken up or just sleeping outside of the room and you can wake up to potty in the middle of the night if you want to. But I personally do not do potty breaks in the middle of the night. Um, I'll either like put them in a kennel big enough to have a potty pad in there if they need to go in the middle of the night. Or I'll do like an X-Pen instead of a kennel so that they have a potty area in the middle of the night. But I personally do not wake up at night. <laughs> that is not something I am capable of. As far as the food aggression, that's a huge red flag to me because I feel like it's pretty uncommon for dogs that young to be showing food aggression. No, I mean, it's I guess it's not to say that it's uncommon, but it's something that if you don't nip it in the butt immediately is going to be a big fucking problem, especially with a shepherd, especially with an unknown like unknown genetics and unknown history and all of that. Um, but it is like, that's a big red flag to me that a dog at 16 weeks is already showing food aggression. So like, that would be my priority as far as like everything that all the issues that she's having or whatever, um, would be the food aggression. Um, and I would, do you know how she feeds them? So my mistake was talking to her on the phone about this, so I don't have it documented what we talked about, but I'm almost positive we implemented feeding separately. So I actually wouldn't. Because, I mean, then she's going to keep guarding when they're around, right? Why would they ever need to be around while she's eating, though? Well, it's not so, like, I'm not going to force it of, like, you guys have to eat together. But I'm not going to feed them completely separate because then she's going to continue to be food aggressive for the rest of her life. So, generally, what I do is, I mean, my dogs all eat in kennels. So, I mean, that's, I wouldn't personally do that. But for a normal house, I'm trying to think because TD was food aggressive as a puppy 
and I'm trying to remember what I told them to do. Um, so they, assuming that they'd normally, their other two dogs normally would eat together if they tried to do it this way originally, I would imagine. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. So, um, I try to have them eat together, but separate. So I don't care if she can eat with the other dogs. Like I would never expect that from her, but she also needs to not guard food because if she's going to guard food, then who's to say she's not going to do that to a person too, right? She just learns to guard her food. So I would, like, if they all eat in the kitchen, I would leave the other two dogs eating how they normally eat and maybe feed her, like, across the kitchen or something and be feeding her on leash so that she gets used to, like, hey, I'm not going to let them come steal their fo- your food, but I'm also not going to let you guard your food. So that they're kind of, and then kind of slowly as she gets accustomed, move her closer and closer. Again, not that she has to eventually eat with them. But just she has to get comfortable with like, hey, they're around when you eat. There's always going to be people and animals around when you eat. And it's not a big deal. Nobody's taking anything from you. Because, <laughs> yeah, I don't care if she eats physically with them. Like, if they eat right next to each other, I don't expect her to necessarily get to the point where she does. I mean, if she does, that would be cool. But um, at least desensitize her a little bit and have her unleashed just so there's not any issues. Of like, hey, dogs can be around when you're eating. It's not a big deal. Because especially, I mean, in a few months, she's going to be 100 pounds. <laughs> and then it's not always going to be, oh, we could just feed her separate forever. Or, oh, we can give snacks separate. Like, I would rather just casually kind of be like, hey, this is clearly an insecurity. It doesn't need to be. Um, but also not force her into like, oh, dogs are going to walk around you while you eat. Like, no, I'm going to keep them away too. But like, we all eat in the kitchen. That's where food happens. <laughs> Um, and then obviously go off of how that goes. So if she, with TD, it was super easy because he just, we did it slow. He started eating across the kitchen and then every week we moved him a little bit closer and it was no issue. Um, so hopefully it would go that way, but depending on kind of how that goes depends on kind of what we would do next. Um, I'm a big fan of everybody just eating separate, but I'm not a big fan of letting a dog just be food aggressive. So that's what I would do with food. And then as far as the other dogs not being comfortable um, and her getting in their face, one, I personally would never let the puppy get in their face. The puppy would always be on leash or contained in some way to learn that she can't. Get, I mean, obviously, that's not that strict. Like, But yeah, the puppy is obviously have too much free reign with the other dogs if it's pissing them off. Like, there's a certain degree that we want her to, like, kind of get in trouble and learn those signs. But if they're already uncomfortable and she's already that new, now is not the time for that. (laughs) Um, So once they're a little bit more, she would be pretty strict in the beginning. In the beginning, she would be contained pretty much all the time, whether it just be on leash or just recall or whatever, to just learn, like, hey, you don't get in their face. Um, and then as the other dogs get more comfortable with her, then kind of blurring that line a little bit more. Depending on the situation and the setup, obviously she may or may not be fully vaccinated, so she probably can't go on walk walks, but I would be walking all three of them together, even if it's like just around the block or the yard or in the front yard, um, just because walking them together is going to help kind of, I mean, the puppy has to leash train anyways, but it's going to help them kind of bond and experience things together. 16 weeks should be good, right? For vaccines? In theory, but shelter dogs' schedules are usually fucked up because the shelter probably didn't have her from 8 to 16 weeks, so she probably hasn't had her third set. 
but yeah, walking them together would be my number one thing. And then just managing her more in the house as far as getting your older dogs to understand, hey, I'm going to protect you from her. And getting her to understand, like, hey, you need to respect them in their space. Yeah. Um, but walks are definitely going to help build that bond and create that um, kind of unit rather than her being the outsider from them. And then also, too, not not necessarily in this case, but just in general, I think it's important to consider when you are adding a dog, if your other dogs want a dog. <laughs> mm-hmm. I see this happen a lot where people go out and get a third dog or get a puppy or whatever. And it's like, you're, the two dogs that you have are not social or playful. Like, neither, and again, not saying this is Ariel at all, but I'm just saying in general that reminded me of this. Like, yeah. if you have two dogs that aren't social and aren't playful, you probably shouldn't get a puppy. Yeah. <laughs> um, because I see that happen a lot, and I get called in for that a lot of like, oh, our two dogs hate our new dog. And it's like, well, yeah, because they didn't want a fucking new dog. You did. And you just forced it on them. And neither one of them are very friendly or playful. So what the fuck are you doing? Right. <laughs> and I mean, I'm not not saying necessarily that like, oh, if you want a puppy, you can't have a puppy because of this. But like, you have to consider to a certain extent. Uh, why are you yelling? <laughs> uh, why are we there was, I thought that a sound was going to come through my headphones, but it came out of my computer speakers. Oh. <laughs> um, but yeah, I would definitely consider that too before you add another dog. Again, not in this case, but it just seemed like a good time to put that PSA out there. <laughs> yeah, so I sent her, I can see now I sent her a couple of um, videos. Uh, so I'll watch them when we hang up. I was going to just watch them now because I thought they were going to come through my headphones, but they didn't. Um, but I'll watch them to like see what I said to her because I don't remember initially what I said. But um what I do know for sure is I was like, put that dog on a dragging leash right away. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, all puppies, no matter yep. what, even if you don't have another dog, all puppies need to be on dragging leashes all yep. the time. And uh, and so we talked about, you know, uh, I remember that we talked about I really like to implement if you're going to add a new dog to the home just respect for each other's space before we even get to like friendly interactions because I feel like people want to jump into like I want them to play together like I want them to have fun together but like I just want to start reinforcing them for like leaving each other alone and being neutral around each other before we start you know implementing those like fun time things um so that's one of the things that we talked about I don't remember what we said for food um I think I just gave her some management things because this wasn't a paid session it was just like she was asking for some help. Yeah. Um. So I think I just was like, let's uh, feed them separately. And then I helped her find a trainer in her area. Um. There's a sit means sit in her area. So I was like, let me help you find someone. <laughs> that's not <laughs> let's sit means not sit. do that. Right. Um. And uh. But yeah. So the crate thing, like, I I I guess this would be more of a preference and priorities thing because I can definitely see like. There are times when I'm like, you know what, I just have to live my life and so I'm going to do something that, like, is not the most ideal, right? Like, I don't want to create a puppy that's not crate trained, but I do want to go out to dinner. You know what I mean? Like, I want to live yeah. my life. And so I'm going to yeah. put her in the crate. Um, the crate at night is something that I always start them right next to me, especially with a puppy, just because it's so hard for them to transition and, like, they're alone at night and it's just hard for them. Personally, what I will do because I do puppy head start is I will ask the family where their puppy's going to be sleeping. And if it's in their room, I'll just leave the crate in my room. If it's in a different room, I will move it 
like out of my room over the time that the dog is here. And they typically do really well with that transition. Like it's never an issue of them being like, hey, wait. But I always like start them out in my room. Yeah. Well, and I think it's super different too because I don't generally deal with eight-week puppies. I would do it the same regardless. But because I don't deal with puppies, to me, I wouldn't expect it to go that well or it hasn't gone that well when I've done it. But that's, with again, with older puppies generally. Sure, yeah. But yeah, I think like for the most part, we're really on the same page about, you know, the dogs living in the home together and how to kind of get them started with that. Yeah, I think the number one thing with a new puppy and not that her dogs are old, but older dogs is just people think that they'll like if I got paid every time someone said, oh, they'll work it out. Uh, (laughs) Oh, my God. Yeah, (laughs) that's a really good way to create an unhealthy relationship. (laughs) (laughs) because the older dogs are going to continue to hate that puppy if they have to handle it all the time. It's not their job to handle this puppy. It's your job to handle this puppy, right? Exactly. Yep. And obviously she's doing a better job of it already because she is answering questions and getting a trainer, whereas most people don't. So, (laughs) Yeah. Yep. I love it when people like ask me genuine questions. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. It's a great sign. I'm, I'm willing to help you. <laughs> That's half the battle. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That is half the battle. Yeah, but yeah, I hear that a lot too. It's like, oh, you know, just let them work it out. And But especially between old, an older dog and a puppy, like, for instance, we have Balto here. And he is like, he's in no way patriarchal or um, alpha or anything. But like, in my mind, he is the most important dog here. Um, so I want to make sure that he is like always happy. <laughs> um, and so like... I bring all these puppies into his space. And so, like, yeah, of course, if they get in his face, he's going to give them a correction that will help them to never do that again. But, like, I'm not worried about the puppy learning the lesson. I'm more so worried about Balto learning that he has to fend for himself in my house. Like Exactly. Yeah. Well, and and like I said, I I don't think it's the case with her. But, like, when I hear he's made it known that he's not to be fucked with. To me, generally, and again, they do have to learn corrections and all of that, but generally when a lay person says that, to me, that's a huge red flag of you're not managing your puppy enough if your dog feels like it needs to defend itself. Because there's a time and place for proper correction and the puppy learning, but lay people don't know that generally. (laughs) Um, So that's like usually a red flag for me of like, no, no, this is not... (laughs) The, the the older dog does not get to tell the puppy that it's not to be fucked with. Yeah. You get to tell the puppy not to fuck with him. <laughs> yeah. And then um, just to give like a little more, I don't know, closure to all of this. I texted her today to ask her if I could use this for the Q&A. And she said yes. And then I was like, so how is everything going? And she said, um, Phoebe likes Lou a lot. Otis has done a lot better. He's always been one to like his space. He's good at communicating, and Lou generally listens, although the dragging leash comes in handy on the days that she's not great at listening. Overall, it's getting better by the week. I like that. I like that Phoebe likes Lou now. Yeah. That's exciting. And that's usually, I mean, generally, when especially when you bring in a puppy, the resident dogs are almost never going to like them right away. <laughs> right. <laughs> so there is just a transition period. But yeah, that's that's a great sign that they're already have kind of flipped that switch because two i would think a boston terrier would be super in for a puppy they never fucking calm down they're 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 permanent puppies (laughs) all right 
I think that about wraps it up. Our 26th episode is ready to be let out of the kennel. You can find me on TikTok and Instagram at Miss Lily's Dogs, on my website, MissLilysDogs.com, or my online training platform, Patreon.com slash Miss Dogs. Laura is dancing to my I am recitation not. of this. <laughs> <laughs> I would never. Uh, and you can find me on Instagram at LV and my website, properpupperslv.com. Uh, we're not going to tell you what's happening next because we don't know. <laughs> so we'll just, <laughs> we'll just see you next time on the Doggeritaville podcast. Thanks for listening to Doggeritaville. Send us an email at doggeritaville at gmail.com. Or send us a DM on Instagram at doggeritaville. And let us know if there are any topics you'd like to see covered. Or if there are any margaritas you want us to try. And don't forget to leave us a review. Until next time, give your dog a treat from us. <laughs>